Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm joined by clinical psychologist Emily Hanlon. If you are a regular listener here of the podcast, you will know that Emily is actually a return guest. I had her on previously to talk about big feelings and emotional regulation skills for our kids. And you guys loved her, so she is back. If you haven't yet caught that episode, let me introduce you. Um, so as mentioned, Emily is a clinical psychologist who practices here in Sydney, working with children, adolescents and adults. She has a special interest in autism spectrum disorder, but works across the whole range of presentations, supporting individuals with ADHD, mood-related disorders, anxiety, behavioural concerns and social skills problems, just to name a few. Uh, you may know her too from Instagram, where she is known as the Playful Psychologist. Through her page, she shares her wealth of knowledge around psychology, along with her love of being creative, particularly in this space. Today, Emily joins me to talk all about bullying in recognition of the National Day of Action Against Bullying and Violence. So with all that said, welcome, Emily. Thanks so much for having me. What a like beautiful intro to give me a nice, you know, self-esteem boost for oh. my Thursday. <laughs> well, it's all true. It's all you. <laughs> so I do appreciate you being here. I know today is one of your busy clinic days. So I love that you've um, set this time aside to have the conversation with me. I think it's such an important one because bullying really is one of those things that kind of strikes fear in every parent's heart. It's something... Mm none of us wish for our little people to go through, but it is pretty common. So there's every chance that they may come up against this. Mm. Um, Perhaps can we start then with talking about what is the best cause or plan of action if your child comes home or you find out some way that they are being bullied? Yeah, I think it's really important because like my experience of late, it's really interesting, has been whenever a child that I work with is being bullied and the parents try and raise it with the school, the school's instinct reaction to say, we don't have a bullying problem at this school, mm-hmm. which I think is near impossible. That's a, that's a big claim to say there's no bullying at this school. Um, you know, so I think when, as a parent, we want to go into these situations with all the facts, we want to take all the evidence we can to the school. So one of the most important things parents can do in these situations is to really handle the situation properly so that if the school says something, you've got something to say back to them. So now, obviously, what I mean by that is try and plan for these meetings as much as possible. However, if there is a serious threat, like someone's threatening to hurt your child, um, call the school immediately. 
keep your child home until you've been able to have that meeting. But some general tips I like to give about to parents when they are approaching schools about um bullying and that sort of thing is to make an appointment ahead of time to discuss your concerns. Why I say this is it's really important not to ambush a teacher during pickup or drop off because they're really busy, they're stressed at that point, and they're very likely to dismiss you at that point because they don't have time. So mm-hmm. do yourself and your child and the teacher a favour and schedule a time to have this meeting. I think also by making that meeting, you have a chance to gather your thoughts and you're not going in like extremely heightened. I don't know if like if, if I found out that my child was being bullying, I think I just want to go in all guns blazing. So I think by scheduling a meeting, you almost have a second to like collect your thoughts. And then by making that appointment, you can let, you, um, you know, the school know how much time you think you may need to ensure that you have all the information and for them to gather the information. And it just gives everyone time to organise what they need. I think it's also really important for parents to be really prepared for these meetings so they can be clear about what they want to discuss and what the outcome that they are hoping to achieve is. Because I'm a big believer in that, like if you are going to present a problem, try and also offer what you believe would be an appropriate solution to this problem. So, you know, by scheduling that meeting, you have time to just think about that. Um, And you, like I said as well, you have all the materials that you need, whether that may be like a screenshot um, of something that was said online, a photo of an injury, you make sure you have all that. But it also is, in my opinion, really important to remember that there is a huge difference between a child being mean to your child and a child bullying your child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so if you are approaching your child's teacher regarding an incident that has, you know, obviously upset your child, I think it is also important to ask the teacher for their take on the situation. I'm not saying that you shouldn't believe your child or you shouldn't stick up for your child, but so many of my clients in the past have told their parents that they're being bullied. And then when we explore it further, it was you know, still unkind, still hurtful, but it was more so like a a one-off incident of schoolyard Mm -hmm. behaviour, not necessarily bullying. So I think it's important to be able to gather all that information, be able to listen, and you can do that and still advocate for your child. Mm, I love love that advice, particularly around definitely around setting the appointment because I have seen um, my son's school operates like a car line where you kind yeah. of drive up, you fling your car door open and they, the teacher will bring them to the car. And I've seen this happen where, I and I understand it, parents sort of think like, oh, there she or he is, here's yeah. my chance to talk. But it's really not conducive to having a good conversation in yeah, that moment. Sure. So I think you raise a really good point there and I love what you suggested about having a pause and going in prepared mm. because this conversation can be really emotionally triggering. And when you feel like your child is struggling or you're watching them have a hard time, like you said, the tendency is to go in guns blazing. But what we really want the meeting to be is productive. We don't Mm. want to just offload and rant on the teacher or, you know, about the situation. We want to come to a a suitable resolution that's going to be good for your child if they are being bullied. But also look to rectify the situation long-term too. For sure. Absolutely. And I think you like it's really hard to be able to do all that and have that clarity if Mm. you're overwhelmed in the moment. So I always think like taking a step back is the best thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm. such good advice. Okay, so that's a really good um, suggestion in terms of like a practical thing parents can be doing. I just want to backstep. You mentioned that sometimes, and this is common, I think, with young children in particular who are still figuring out social relationships and, Mm. you know, things, 
to if there has been an incident, perhaps it was something hurtful said, somebody spoke out of turn or whatever it was, Mm. and it perhaps doesn't constitute bullying. Mm. When is a good point for parents, like what's the line for parents to get involved and go to the school? Have you got Mm. any guidance around that? I think it honestly depends on the child, but what I would say is it doesn't matter how big or small an incident is. It's more so how your child feels about it, right? So it could be a really small incident, but if your child is visibly upset and feeling really like, you know, maybe, maybe someone said something behind their back and they found out about it, but it's, it's not bullying. That's not bullying. It's not nice, but it's not Mm -hmm. bullying, but your child may then, you know, start refusing to go to school or start being really, really anxious about that. It's, I think it's still a good idea to talk to the school about that and let the school know that your child is experiencing some big feelings. And maybe there are some things that they can put in place to assist your child when they are feeling that way. So while Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think you have to like, you know, in inverted commas, dob on another child every time they've, you know, been a little bit unkind to your child, I do think it's important that the school knows that your child is upset and mm-hmm. they may need a little bit of extra support or a bit of a break during class and and they may be a bit emotional that day and it's important for the school to know why. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. I, I know just from personal experience this week, one of my little ones, he's in kindergarten, so super mm. young, right at the start of figuring all of this out, mm-hmm. he came home and said that the teacher had read a really, really great book um, and it was all about when you get angry, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that's that's good that they're reading mm-hmm. that. And he said, yeah, I think it was because another child, we'll call him Ben, I think it was because Ben got a bit frustrated and hit one of the other kids. And I thought, how amazing is it now? Like, and it really is, it really does warm my little heart to know that teachers and parents can be in this like collaborative yeah. situation. There's, there's things sure. they can be doing and it doesn't need to necessarily escalate Single to a meeting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So for sure, good advice. Um, mm. Loop the teacher in, even if you're not looking for them to deliberate, uh, sort of specifically, sorry, get involved. Mm. An awareness of this going on, I think is really important for them mm. too. Okay, so that sort of covered the school avenue. Mm. Emily, what about if your child, say that it is bullying, it does Mm -hmm. constitute bullying that's going on, how are some ways you can be supporting them with that at home? Perhaps Mm. they're saying to you they don't want to go to school, maybe they're presenting with some, you know, nervous tummy, upset tummy, headaches around anxiety. What's your advice for parents there? I think it's really hard for parents when this happens because the first thing you want to do is jump in and fix it. The the minute you see your child in distress and you know that someone else has caused it, you just want to fix it. But I genuinely think, um, I might sound like a broken record, but the best thing that you can do here is just listen. Like, please, Mm -hmm. oh my God, do not underestimate the power of listening. Um, It's just you know, it's just so important for children to know that they're not alone and that you're there to listen and understand their point of view. If we say, oh, don't worry, or oh, don't worry about it, or mummy will go to the school and that sort of thing, they just either think that it's not worth worrying about or that you're going to fix the problem. And then next time it happens, they don't have the skills to be able to work through it. So I think it's really important for kids to understand that you are in their corner and that you will investigate, but you will investigate with them after listening to them. They need to know that they're not alone. Um, You could help them after you've had a chance to chat to them and listen and and really understand what they're going through. You could help them make a bit of a safety plan. Now, by safety plan, I don't necessarily mean, you know, like that they may be having really 
dark thoughts or anything like that but it may be like who can they talk to at school if it happens again can they go to the office can they go to sick bay is there a librarian that they really like or their class teacher like what does that plan look like for them and that can be done even before you've had a chance to meet with the school and then you can take that plan to that meeting and go okay like this is what we discussed will this work long term are these appropriate things um, for my child to do if they feel unsafe or they're feeling upset at school but Mm. I, I know it sounds so basic but listening is just so important I actually bought the most beautiful book the other day that I saw a teacher that I follow in the UK recommend um, and it's called the rabbit listened the rabbit listened. oh my god it's the best it's actually like I gave it to my husband to read because I was like this is perfect for parents to read more so kids it's all about like this little boy's upset and all these animals try and help him in different ways they try and distract him they try and make him laugh they try and fix the problem and he doesn't want to bar them he ignores them because that's not helping so they all go away except the rabbit who just sat and listened and he listened to the boy get all his feelings out and then that's what helped him in the end it's the sweetest book Oh, okay. I will link that in the show notes and I will also go and order that from Book Depository when I get off here. Add it to the library, Emily. Emily and I have this joke that every time, because she shares these amazing, you have the most amazing library of of resources and books and every time you post one, it costs me a fortune because I'm like, okay, add to cart. This one is definitely being added. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I echo that so much. I know even as an adult sometimes when I'm struggling, you know, you go to your husband and you're like, guess what happened and you're talking he's like hmm what can we do about this I'm like nothing no no no. <laughs> just listen to me <laughs> just listen and sometimes just that listening I think and particularly for kids and I know actually true with adults too as we talk about it, it you kind of process it as you go and just sure. having someone loving their listen in mm. can be so like helpful so helpful yeah okay so listening definitely valuable um sort of support strategy for your child um what about what's your advice if they're reluctant to go to school or flat out refusing how do we approach Mm. that I think it's still really important to go through those steps of emotion coaching and letting the child know that you're not sending them to school because you don't believe them or you're dismissing their feelings but I also think in that case probably a more um, urgent meeting needs to happen with the school because a lot of the time, you know, schools and parents can work together to figure out what the best plan is for that child. So I would, in that case, I wouldn't try and wait too long because the longer a child is out of school and refusing school, the harder it is for them to eventually re-engage. Okay. Okay, great. So that might be the time when you, because, you know, schools, as you mentioned, right back at the start of this phone, Mm. um, sorry, this podcast recording, Schools, I find these days, are super proud of their anti-bullying policies and stances, Mm. which is a great thing. So in my experience, this tends to be something that they'll jump on pretty quickly if you make it known that it's becoming an issue. Yeah, for sure. All right. That's super helpful for parents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
clients. Um, can we just flip it the other way now? What if the situation is reversed and it comes to your attention, whether through the school, another child, whatever it may be, that your child is actually the one doing the bullying? Yeah. Also so, triggering. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> How God, do we... this would be so triggering. I think yes. well. I'd be so stressed if this, you know, if I got that phone call. I think it's really important though to remember that children just they don't go out of their way to be mean for no reason. There is often a big emotional need there if a child is being mean to another child or a child is bullying another child. So it's really, really important to get down to the nitty-gritty of what is underlying that need or that behaviour. And as hard as it could be, it's really important to approach your child with the same thing, like that calm emotion coaching, neutral so if you're feeling really heightened, again, just wait. Wait till you've had a chance to calm down and then approach your child. So, um, you know, that will just help keep the conversation calm. Also, I think it's really important when you know your child's done something that they shouldn't have and you're trying to get more information out of them, try and avoid those why questions because why did you do this? Why did you say such horrible things? All of that kind of insinuates judgment. It kind of insinuates that you've already made up your mind and you're looking for an explanation as to why they did such a bad thing, right? Mm. But if you ask what questions, you're kind of showing them that you want to understand the situation from their point of view. You want more information about what was not only going on for the other child, but what was going on for them too, because mm. it's important. So instead of like, why did you say such horrible things? You could try, hey, look, your teacher called me today to let me know that there was a situation between you and Billy. Can you tell me what happened? What words were said? What made you want to use those words? And so on. Whereas if you say why, I guarantee you most of the time you're just going to get an I don't know. But mm. if you ask what words were said instead of why did you say X, Y, Z and what made you want to use those words, what happened next, what happened before, you're, I'm not saying your child might be, that, you know, completely in the right and you're gonna you know set them free but it's important to get that information and, and approach the situation from a whole because without all that information how can you then help your child make a more appropriate cho choice in the future mm. um so I think that's really important like the language we use but I also think it's important especially if we're talking about primary school kids most bullies don't really understand how wrong their behavior is or or how it made the person being bullied feel so down the track it's also important to focus on perspective taking and um, help them develop their theory of mind so that they can really understand that their actions have implications that can be quite serious. Yeah, yeah, two really um, useful things, I think, mm. to be processing as parents or caregivers as we think about this. Mm. Okay, so I love the suggestion too of using what. Mm. It automatically sets you in a different frame of mind, doesn't totally. it, than that yeah. judgment, that, you know, <laughs> defensiveness yeah, yeah, yeah. even. So um, I love that. And you touched on theory of mind. And my mm. next question was going to be about, you know, bullying. We, we hear so many reports in the media and we, you hear horrific things about um, children who are bullied. What's going on here with bullying? Mm. And is there things we can be doing, conversations we can be having at home from a young age that perhaps sets our kids up not to go down that path? For That's sure. a big question. But yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. really tricky. I think like bullying, like so many things, is not necessarily caused by one thing. It's caused by so many different things. I always go back to um, like quite extreme examples that you hear in the media because I think they're quite triggering and they just resonate mm. with you because, you know, I, you just can't forget those faces um, yeah. when you hear those horrible stories. But I think a lot of the time, again, kids bully for for 
for a, a reason. And sometimes that reason is they want to look cool in front of other kids. And what does that show me? That maybe they might have some social anxiety and that need is being unmet. So we need to really develop our kids' resilience, our kids' ability to regulate their emotions so that they don't take that out on someone else. There can be other things as well, of course, that um, result in bullying, such as like maybe modelling behaviour that they, they've witnessed, whether they're in a tricky home situation. Like I said, they can have an unmet need. They may be like attention or connection seeking. Um, they may be the victim of bullying themselves and they're trying to, you know, um, yes. take the light off them and put it on someone else. So there's so many different things and, you know, like anything, I think it's just a mixture of things. But with the question of can it be prevented and what can we do, I think like any behaviour, bullying can definitely be unlearned. Um and can be prevented. I think it's important for schools to keep up the awesome work that they're doing in regards to regular chats um, about bullying and what bullying is and also having like maybe general safety plans in place for kids when they do feel overwhelmed. And I'm, I don't necessarily mean like a buddy bench or something like that. I mean genuinely like where is the place that they go? Who is the person they speak to? Mm. Um I, you wouldn't believe like you can have the most inviting school but if the kid doesn't feel connected to a teacher they're not going to talk to them mm. so if, if a child doesn't feel like safe at the school for whatever reason not necessarily physically safe but just emotionally safe then they don't they're not going to express those feelings mm. and they're going to wait till they get home and then it comes this awkward problem like oh no they're fine at school but they're a mess at home like where is the who does what here so I think it's really important for um like with anything to realize that um it's like a, it needs to be a holistic collective approach it can't just be a home thing it can't just be a school thing everyone needs to band together here um there can there should be a lot of obviously uh regular connection seeking attempts with children at home if you do suspect that your child is the bully um and you know all those things will help a child feel connected within their community of school, but also at home and within themselves. And they'll understand their role um, in their community, and they won't hopefully won't go out seeking negative connections as frequently. Yes, yeah, I love that advice, and I think it goes back to the old, the old saying: "Hurt people, hurt people." So yeah, exactly. You know, you know, if you feel good and secure and confident and happy, they're not people that go and hurt other people deliberately Literally. or bully other people. For sure. So I think everything you've just said about putting your energy and your focus, if we're going to talk preventatively, yeah. into connection, um, check-ins with our kids, building their self-esteem and awareness, that that is the most incredible place to pop mm. your energy. I also just want to highlight, you said something so powerful. You said um, if kids, they can have the most beautiful, inviting school, but if they don't feel connected to someone mm. there or to their teachers, whoever, then they're not going to be able to express that mm. um, nor probably, you know, reach their full potential in that school. And you said, you know, it really is a collective thing. And I think that's that's so hopeful because even if the school hasn't gone so far as to say this is the person, you know, maybe it's mm. a chaplain or a school counsellor, we as parents and caregivers can foster that for our kids. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something yeah. that we can be doing. You know, you'll know if they've got a favourite teacher, even if it's yeah. not their classroom teacher that yeah. year. Um, and so I think that's something we could be doing to help them feel more comfortable or have For that sure. ally. Yeah, yeah, such good advice. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is all so helpful. So we've covered a lot. The last thing I just wanted to touch on before I let you go um, is another thing that parents are becoming 
you know, more and more mindful of, and that's this uh, rise in online bullying as mm. the whole social media um, lifestyle, or it's really a, more than a trend, isn't it? It's part of life yeah. now um, and it is not going to go away. So any tips around online, social media use, um, if your child's experiencing bullying in that domain or is it much the same as as if it were face-to-face? I think cyberbullying is so wild because it includes aspects of like social, verbal and emotional abuse mm-hmm. all in one and the person's not even in front of you. It's just yeah. the, the most crazy thing. I think it's really interesting because in our society many things that we classify as bullying such as hitting, punching, damaging property, um, they're all like classified as like serious offences. So it's no wonder that victims of bullying report experiencing those long-lasting effects of bullying, mm. right? But when we get to cyberbullying, there is no reprieve. You go home, you could be getting verbally bullied all day, emotionally bullied all day, and then go home and the same thing happens. Yeah. So you get no rest. For me personally, if cyberbullying is happening, I would involve the school every single time. Okay. I think it's really important. Even if the bullying isn't occurring on school grounds, it is important for the school to know so that they can hopefully inform the parents of the other child of okay. what is going on. They may not get themselves involved, but just informing the other parent might help decrease some of that behaviour. For younger children, I would absolutely absolutely be monitoring their online usage and I would really be limiting social media. I get so stressed by the amount of kids that I see like in primary school that have Instagram accounts that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and TikTok and TikTok, yeah. Snapchat. Yep. And I'm like, oh my God. Um I genuinely can't believe it. Um and they're unsupervised on it as well, yeah. which I think is just a recipe for total disaster because cognitively they're not mature enough to make appropriate decisions on there. But mm. I think also we think of those social media things, but we also forget that games like Roblox have chat functions and it's really important to be mindful of that and to be monitoring that sort of thing as well because stuff can happen on Roblox and Minecraft and all those other games that I have no idea about that we need to be like really, really mindful of. Um, I think as a parent, being trustworthy in general is obviously really important because the more trustworthy you are and the more connected your child feels to you, the more likely it is that they will approach you and let you know that -hmm. someone has said something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think your child needs to know that, you know, they can rely on you, you'll be there, um, what to do, what to say and, and that sort of thing. But I think it is really important and this is hard with cyberbullying in particular, that if your child does disclose cyberbullying, that we don't accidentally punish them for being the victim. So what I mean by that is if your child is being cyberbullied, your, your instinct reaction there is probably to take away their phone yeah, to protect them. Yeah, But you've just punished them and they haven't done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think in that regard, we need to be mindful that giving the child a consequence for having the bravery to disclose something serious to us is not fair and we yeah. need to maybe, you know, go about it in, in another way. I do think, like I said before, I want to reiterate that informing the school is so important because the school actually has the power these days to inform the police and send like a youth liaison officer to, um, you know, a child's home to have a bit of a chat with them about what like appropriate online usage looks like and what's okay and what's not okay and I've seen that happen with my own clients and I think it's a really awesome initiative so the more people that know the more protected your child will be 
Mm, I didn't even know that that was in place, that particular thing. That's so, so great because it could literally be that one conversation that sets things on a whole different trajectory. So that is really valuable. And I think Mm. just to go back to what you said about gaming, because that wasn't even in my mind, but Mm. you're absolutely right. Um, Sometimes I hear parents say things like, oh, you know, social media, I just can't keep up with it all, which I totally understand. Um, Yeah. But it's not enough for us to be like, oh, kids these days with TikTok and whatever. If your children are on these platforms, I I believe it's your responsibility to be on them too so that you understand them. You can be monitoring. There are parental controls in play for some of them, not all. Mm. Um, So that is your responsibility to look after them. Absolutely. And I also think about it like if you were to take your child, your seven or eight or nine-year-old to a shopping centre, you're not going to drop them at the shopping centre and leave for two Mm. hours right? You're going to be around and we have to treat social media and screen time and all that sort of stuff with the same intensity that we treat dropping our kids off at random places in public because they can get up to the same amount of trouble. Yes. Situations. Yes. And even more, I would suggest that these online bullies and, and whether they're other children or adults, mm. I mean, it's going down a dark path, but mm. they are very, very skilled at hacking into these things Absolutely. and grooming children in these environments, which is a horrendous thought, but one we need to be aware of. For sure. And there are things like, um, you know, last year, my I've got two little sister-in-laws, so they're like 13 and 8, and they fell victim to that like horrible video mm. that went around on TikTok. Mm. And that traumatised the 8 so yeah. forget if you're not even like focusing on the bullying side of things, but also you can accidentally watch things online and be as innocent as possible and it can traumatise you. She's traumatised from it. The yeah, so I can it's only imagine. To, yeah, be really mindful of that stuff when we're letting kids on social media. Yeah, you raised some really, really good points, things to be thinking about, but also some some brilliant strategies that you've suggested in this chat. So thank you so much. So Emily, if people would like to follow you, connect with you further, where can they find you? Um, So I'm probably most active on my Instagram page, which is just at the Playful Psychologist. And then I have a whole bunch of like um, blog posts and podcasts of my own and everything, which you can find at www.theplayfulpsychologist.com. Amazing. And I'll link to all of those in the show notes, of course, too. All right, Emily, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. See ya. Thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20 That's KPC Podcast 2-0 at checkout. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.